Owner of a tiny brain and one-time presidential candidate, Sarah Palin, welcome to the Herd Mentality Cold Shower Challenge. How are you? To be honest, Sarah, it's a bit cold because we're both standing here naked in my bathroom. So let's explain to the listeners why that is. Recently, no illusions from the scathing atheist named me to partake in the Ice Bucket Challenge. For the American people? Well, not really. It's an organisation that benefits those afflicted with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease worldwide. You were close, though. They got another thing coming. Yes, they do. So, Sarah, you've agreed to join me in an ice cold shower for this interview. You know, I received a lot of messages about this one today, and a lot of the emails and texts use the word treachery. With good reason. So let's discuss ALS. It's a disease that, in essence, causes muscles to waste away. I tend to agree with uh, that term. But in order to develop a treatment, we need to raise money for it. You know, we got to be optimistic about it. Absolutely. So let's jump in this shower together. Ooh, that's cold. Have you got enough water? Here, come, come a bit closer. It will be rationed. No, 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 we'll go hard. Now, you're actually claiming that obliging people to partake in a charity is really a tax. Absolutely, it's a tax. It's nearly a trillion dollars worth of tax. Well, they haven't raised that much money, and I'm not sure your definition of a tax is in alignment with reality. Via levies, fines, the tariffs, if you will, whatever anybody else wants to call them, this is a penalty. It is a tax on the people. Hmm. Now, listeners can do as we've done at the Herd Mentality by going to alsa.org slash donate and giving $50. Truly defies economic and common sense. Well, no, anything's achievable with money. This is changing lives. We will be a fundamentally transformed country. Now you're getting it. By the way, do you mind warming just this bit up for me? It's extremely cold in here. Can I just pop this... um... Back in the hands of the people... Thanks, Sarah. I I don't want this to seem weird. We're heading down that road now. What, by... Proposing it and ramming it through? No, no, no. Listeners, I just want you to know that it's not like that at all. Down our throats. Sarah, stop. Can we just name three other people, please, to partake in the ice bucket challenge and get this over with? I'm freezing. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Right. Well, let's name Ray Comfort, um, Jake Farwarden from the Imaginary Friends show, and at Mr. Oz Atheist as the next victim. A harbinger of things to come. Sarah Palin, thanks for joining me in the shower. Thank you so much. Here's a towel. Well, the Republicans then and common sense constitutional Democrats will be able to... It's been a fantastic experience. Oh, look, that's... It's really, that's it's really surreal to... This is the show that, that did it. Now maybe I can do this for someone else. That's a good feeling. Uh, just be yourself. Welcome to The Herd Mentality, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic, humanistic and scientific conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection and, God willing, entertain you with some scintillating repartee. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, found on Twitter, Facebook and Google+, and it's time to meet our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, down the line with me, I have James. James, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Now, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is WTF Bibleverse. Fantastic. What do you do? Um, what do I do? So right now, as far as the Twitter handle handle goes, initially what I've been doing is making uh, wallpapers and kind of just emulating just like the Christian culture. Like, I don't know if you've seen it. I mean, they're pretty cliche. They're wallpapers. My friends used to post these all the time, like on Facebook, and he used to make his own and brag about how many people were downloading his wallpapers. And he basically just take this beautiful picture of some eagle or sunset, and then he'd put 
these Bible verses on them. And um, have, have you seen these? You've seen yes. these before, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. So basically the whole concept, I don't, I didn't mean what I thought about it. It was just to do the same thing, but to just use up, use like really fucked up Bible verses or just messed up silly ones, funny ones, just ones that just sound so awkward. And I mean, cause you think about the Bible and they take all these verses, even these ones that are so um, nice sounding and inspiring. They often take these verses totally out of context. So there'll, there'll be some verse, you know, talking about how God is going to be with you. And then you read the text and it ends up being God is talking directly to one person in general, just like a dialogue and they take in the verse out of context yeah. so, um, so it's, it's cherry picking in the extreme and you've basically yeah. taken the same concept and decided to throw it mm, in another direction so give me an example of one and my background on the herd mentality recording dungeon computer is currently a deuteronomy verse do you know the one to which i'm referring ah uh, there's a lot of deuteronomy verses actually most of them are from deuteronomy because it's, it's such a great so book. good isn't it <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Give us one. You just want like a really just a fucked up verse or do you want? <laughs> I've got the one on my background about grabbing the testicles of another man and you should cut her hand off and show her no pity. Yes, that's that was, you know, that actually that verse in particular has always been one of my favorite verses, you know, <laughs> of just all time. And, you know, I've, I've grown up Christian and Christianity is such a big part of my life for so long. I remember just reading that verse as a child and just, just <laughs> loving that verse in particular um, and not knowing why the hell it was there and how it even made sense. Um, but yeah, that's a great example. I mean, pretty much the ones I love, I, I love anything that has to do with like slavery. One, here's one of my favorites. And it's not really like as popular as a wallpaper as other ones, but I just think it's so fucked up. Um, this is Exodus 21, 20 through 21. Oh, slavery. Let's hear it. And, yeah. And it says, so when, when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged for the slave is his money. I just. <laughs> I just love stuff like that. I mean, there's terrible ones. I have one here that's this verse. I mean, if you read it in context, it's not anything particularly controversial. It's just kind of hilarious. And um, this is Ezekiel 23 through 2320. Mm -hmm. And this verse is she lusted after lovers with genitals as large as a donkey's <laughs> and emissions like those of a horse. So. Right. Well, there's something there for everyone, isn't there? Yeah, there's pretty much. Uh, there's a lot of funny verses, you know. Not, not all of them are terribly controversial, but most of them are. It's kind of interesting because when we were talking about, like, verses being out of context, you know, some of the Christian verse, the, you know, the normal, like, inspiring ones that they take out of context. I think it was, like, these wallpapers that I make. I mean, there's plenty of verses you could take out of context and it sounds horrible, right? Mm -hmm. But then I feel like any Christian can say and read those and be like, well, that's out of context. It's just the wrong, you know, that's not what the Bible says. One of the things I like to do with a lot of these verses is I like taking verses that actually do have, when you read the full context and you go and try to understand like the storyline behind it or what book it's behind, it's still in a fucked up context, you know, like <laughs> that slavery verse I told you is not going to sound any better when you read the rest of Exodus, you know, it still sounds really awful and it's a good conversation starter. Oh, you know? isn't it what? We had a whole episode of this show, I think off the top of my head, it was episode 27 or around there. And we had Matt Dillahunty and Jake and yeah. Hugo from the Bible Reloaded. And they yeah. came on and I 
auctioned myself off as a slave to them. <laughs> Just needed nice. to get to the bottom of what exactly I would be expected to do as a slave. Yes, it's always a learning experience. Now, some of these Bible verses, how do you get away with publishing these as your own property? So, as far as publishing them as my own property, for the most part, like um, the pictures are all public domain or Creative Commons under Creative Commons attribution license. So as long as I, you know, give photo credit. So if you see on, on the website, you'll see a lot of places where it says photo credit and it's pretty simple as that. But a lot of them are public domain, which I still, even then you technically don't have to give credit to, but I give credit anyways. Mm -hmm. So that's where the pictures come from, from the verses themselves right now on the, on the on wallpapers themselves. I'm pretty much just taking the verses. I'll just go onto biblehub.com, which is what for me at least it's a great resource for checking different translations. I'll pick the verse that that sounds and makes sense. Because some verses, you know, a lot of the translations are really old and archaic, like King James Version. What I've been really finding interesting, and I haven't really gotten into this yet, what I started to do with these wallpapers is to create calendars now after, you know, just numerous requests to make calendars. You've seen these calendars, right? It's, yeah. it's the same thing <laughs> where, I, I don't know, my friend, like, she was telling me her grandmother had these calendars as well. It's the same inspiring verse, you There's know. There's this overwhelming sense of peace and tranquility when I look at yes, my desktop. They're beautiful. Then all of right? a sudden, there's a passage there telling me to dash babies against rocks. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and these. Yes, exactly. So, it's the same concept. But again, with the fucked up Bible verses for these, it's kind of been really interesting because with the translation, like this, since I'm selling this, actually, this is something that I, I was a lot more weary about, you know, what are the legalities behind, you know, public domain, the creative attribution, because like before on the web, you know, people put out memes all the time. It's copywritten material. No one seems to care that mm -hmm. much. Right. But I think when you start selling something, it starts to get a little bit mm. uh, all of a sudden, a people scared. take notice. I, yeah. yeah. I don't want to get sued. I don't want to deal with anything illegal like that. Yeah. As far as the verses go, that go, when I when I started trying to pick text for these verses, one thing I, I started to realize was like, I was just going to use like NIV or something simple like that. And I started looking into it. And then there's a, a lot of legalities that go into actually quoting Bible verses. And I was like really surprised. Wow. Even for example, like for the NIV, like you can use it. You always have to have technically, it has to be parentheses and IV at the end. And in another case, I think the thing that was important for me that for these calendars is that you can't use the NIV for more than 25% of the work that you're putting out, right? Mm -hmm. So if I wrote a book and I'm just quote, quoting the Bible left and right, that's fine. You can still do that without any legal ramifications. But if it takes up more than 25%, you do have to ask for permission. Um, and obviously, I don't want to ask permission for any of these <laughs> verses because they're most likely going to say no if they find out what it's for, right? Uh of course. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I don't even want to go that route. And there's no way I'm going to go under the 25% limit. I, I, I even thought about it. I was like, what if I just had some text on the back that was just super long, you know, that just off, you know, outweighed all the text and was 75% of the whole calendar. As I was like looking into it, I found like they have some translations that are actually public domain. So what I've been doing, there, there's only two public domain versions out there that I think you can find on the internet. There's some that were not even, I couldn't even find a, any reference for, but um, the two are World English Bible, and I think the acronym is WEB. And then the other one is American Standard Version, and both of those are public 
domain. And it's kind of interesting because so those I could use without permission. I don't even need to attribute them necessarily. But what was cool about them is that you can modify them. And in this, and it actually says this in the legal statements in the beginning. It says you can actually modify them and not have to attribute them at all. So I thought that was a big winner for me. Basically, one of the things I do is I'll take these, I'll start with these public domain verses. A lot of the time, some of them will fit just fine and I don't have to change them at all. But other times, you know, they, they're just really old sounding. They're very archaic language. It's hard to understand. So what I'll have to do is either paraphrase or just retranslate it based off this English public domain translation. And the other thing that's just kind of, it's just kind of insane, actually. I'll have to like look this up and compare this with other English translations and basically make sure I'm not stepping on anybody's toes because a lot of the times these verses are only like four or five words and there's only so much you can say but <laughs> you don't want, even with that I still don't want to be accused of copying somebody it's really hard and I mean I think what's important I don't want to mistranslate even though, you know, I'm not, not translating directly from Hebrew, obviously, but I don't want to mistranslate what the verse actually meant. I want it to be, you know, just as good as like the NIV. Yeah. So it was an interesting challenge for these calendars, you know, certainly sounds. Like <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it's crazy. There's so much, so much, a little bit more work involved than I actually originally would have liked, but I had gone so far down the line creating these calendars. I kind of just went, nah, fuck it. I'll just have to do it. <laughs> so it's selling quite well. I'm certainly going to go and get my hands on a copy of a calendar because I need a new calendar. Nice. I think yeah. I'll put that you need up. that inspiration in the morning. Yeah, you know? Yes, I do. I need to know all about the emissions of horses. Because uh, yes. that's a... <laughs> That's a March sort of thing, I think. Actually, I think it actually is March. Oh, wow. What a so guess. You might have <laughs> got that one right. <laughs> now, where could we get a copy of said calendar? You can find the said calendars on wtfbibleverse.tumblr.com slash store. Right, yeah. And Tumblr is T-U-M-B-L-R. There's no E yes. in there. No E. That actually is another interesting story in itself because, I mean, I made them using this website called Zazzle.com and you can make custom items on there. But the problem is you actually have to rate your items as whether they're rated G, PG-13, or R. And... <laughs> I couldn't call these G, right? Because, you know, you can't say emissions or ejaculations or <laughs> anything like that. You, hang on, any child can walk into a bookstore and buy a copy of a Bible. Yes, that is so true. I, I thought about that argument as well. Like, um... <laughs> In fact, it's, it's strongly encouraged in many parts of the world. And certainly yeah, in yeah. Sunday school and so forth. Some of them have children's Bibles that are kind of a little bit reworded or, you know, it's just the nice parts of it. And it mm. has the illustrations to go with it. So, but even then, I just like didn't want to get into any trouble with it. So, so what is it rated? It's rated PG-13. And because of that, actually, Zazzle won't show it publicly in the marketplace. And that annoys me so, so much. <laughs> so that's kind of why I had to move the story originally Zazzle has it where you can make a custom store and just it, it shows the items because by default PG-13 and R items are actually hidden. That was really, really annoying and I tried my best to get around that. In the end, I couldn't, so I had to just move the store to the Tumblr website. Very well. Herd Mentalists, go and get a copy for yourselves. It's all fun and games and they are beautiful. They are absolutely awe-inspiring <laughs> pictures. I love them. <laughs> Look, James, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Herd mentalists, hear me. Prepubescent questionable Adam here from the year 1994. 
One day, I want to grow up to be a podcaster. It's all I ever dream about. I'd like to provide entertaining content that's free for those who can't afford it. But for those who enjoy the show and can spare a few dollars a month, they'd be able to go, say, via patreon.com slash herdmentality. I think I'll even draw pictures of silly cows and record voicemail messages for people who give three and five dollars an episode, respectively. I think I'll even make a store that sells t-shirts and cups and things, 10% of which will also go to a charity. In September 2014, I predict that the show will have about 60,000 downloads per month, but only one third of 1% of the listeners will contribute. Just imagine what I could do in the future if 1% of listeners donated a dollar an episode. It'd be close to a full-time job. In September 2014, the show will donate $50 to ALS Research and another $50 to Kiva to help women in developing countries to further their education. The recipients will be Bara in Jordan and Turbat in Mongolia, both for tuition fees. Supporters of the show won't just be helping me, they'll be helping complete strangers and making change. Now you'll be able to help. Go to HerdMentalityPodcast.com and click the support tab. The links to Patreon will all be there, as well the ability to make a one-time donation. While you're there, click the store link and see what useless but amusing items you can buy to proclaim your herd mentalness. A special thanks to Pedro and Donna who will pledge a few dollars an episode. Now please excuse me, I have to go and do puberty. Take care and I'll see you in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, down the line with me, I have Patrick. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well, thanks. Are you calling from a cafeteria? <laughs> from a, uh, a Barnes & Noble. Ah, a bookstore that sells more than one book. This is good to hear. Indeed. We've tried to do this a couple of times and it hasn't quite worked because the connection hasn't been brilliant. <laughs> the most technologically impaired guest you've had thus far. Oh, n- n- no, because you're in the US. Uh, people, Anyone from Canada, really. <laughs> It's a real struggle. So whereabouts are you based? I'm in Virginia. And how old are you? 17. Righty on. So you're new to the movement, as it were. Yeah. And when do you go to school? I'm currently going to a, a Catholic school. I've been there ever since kindergarten. So I've been going to Catholic school my whole life. Wow. Sounds full on. <laughs> It's been a blast. Do they teach you about Ray Comfort and Ken Ham there? I'm going to be honest with you. I I had never heard of either of those people until I became an atheist. That's interesting. <laughs> it's this. It's not as bad as some people make it out to be. Like they still teach evolution and stuff like that. They're not crazy. Mm. But being at school, you still live at home. Is your family religious? Uh, very much so. Yeah. So how do you reconcile all of that? Well, when they first found out, it, it didn't go over well. My mother, especially, was extremely upset for a couple days by now it's back to normal and everything's okay we don't we don't really talk about it that much though yeah i can understand especially when you're living at home and you're dependent upon them you've really got to tread very lightly indeed so how did you come to find out about this podcast i was just uh scrolling through the uh featured podcasts on um itunes and I, i wasn't looking for anything uh atheistically themed so to speak but um i saw it and the reviews seemed very positive i thought i had been having some doubts in my face and i thought you know let's see what the other side has to say. So I, I downloaded a couple episodes and uh, gave it a go. What took place at that point once you began listening? It was interesting because like at first it was so weird because I, it was like the first time I'd ever heard anybody refer to something like religion as quote nonsense. I remember that. <laughs> but uh, I remember just like these tears that kept breaking down like these walls like 
first it was uh, Jesus, then it was God, then it was the afterlife, then it was a soul, like all these things that I just kept realizing I didn't actually believe in it or I didn't actually find any convincing evidence for it. It's a gradual process for sure. It's really interesting. So Jesus was the first to go. Right. I was always wondering why Christianity, you know, why not anything else? And so the first thing I thought was, all right, so maybe, maybe not Christianity, but, but come on, there's got to be a God, right? As I continued to listen, as I continued to think, as I continued to research, it just kept going from there. So which of the guests on the show spring to mind? Who was helpful for you? I'm trying to think of anything in specific. The conversations, you know, you would talk about the afterlife, you would have debates and such. And then, you know, when I started listening to your show, it wasn't just your show. I started, uh, listening to uh <laughs> interestingly enough i started listening to the scathing atheist and i think that was so blunt i think it really got the point across too and everybody d- responds to different things in different ways how did you find the bluntness of noah's show i mean that must have been very confronting initially <laughs> definitely well he's hilarious to start <laughs> and uh not, not only but like in in the diatribe segment you know he he makes good points. He he's very convincing. Uh, when he makes jokes about things, like he, as crass as it is, you you're forced to think. Well, I mean, he has a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Have you come across things that you've disagreed with in the uh, in the atheist community? Yeah. The the thing I'm still really trying to to understand the atheist side is uh is the issue of abortion. Like I have been very heavily taught that you know it's not okay. Mm-hmm. We we even watched like a full pro-life propaganda film in theology class, like a full length movie that had some of the uh, my class in tears. I'm starting to see the other side, but there's just some something about it. I just I, I don't know. I can't I can't fully get behind it. Maybe maybe in time. But this is this is the one that I'm really having having trouble with, with the indoctrination being so heavy. You know, maybe maybe I won't ever change my mind, but it just seems like I've agreed with the atheist side on pretty much everything else, and I just, I hate to agree with the fundamentalists on anything, so it's, <laughs> it's been difficult for me to, to be so... When I watch a debate or something, I agree with points on both sides, and it's it's difficult for me, but opinions change, so we'll see how it goes. I think the reason predominantly atheists... I wouldn't say we're pro-abortion... <laughs> But certainly pro, I mean, you know, you know, pro, pro choice. The pro choice side, mm. yeah. I think the reason there is, is that we can, using science, actually determine when a clump of cells becomes a fetus, becomes a child. And right. there's a threshold there where you can begin to cut off, okay, well, this, this child now has a heartbeat and capable of independent thought, would survive by itself, can go on to become a, a member of society. But right. then there's also the catch-22 there, whereby if this child was brought into the world... What ramifications would this have for the mother? So is the mother prepared for it? Is this child then going to grow up being supported and loved and being a functional member of community rather than just a member of the community? Is it for the overall benefit of society to have this child? And there's a bit of a cost-benefit analysis that you need to to weigh there, and that's why. But there's there's a clip on this show by... Jim Reaver, he does the Champion of Reason sketches, where he reads a chapter Mm. from his book called The Champion of Reason. The character, the champion, addresses a whole bunch of pro-lifers who are making decisions about what laws may be passed in their particular state. Sure. And it sort of explains the rational position very, very well. In fact, I'll get a copy of Jim's book to you. I'll send one out. You can have a read of it. It's very good. But you can also listen to just a chapter of it. I think it's on the episode with Lawrence Krauss. Okay. Hmm. So you're only new to this in, 
what, the last eight months or so? Yeah, a little under a year. What other responses? Have you discussed this with your friends? Yeah, I, I've kind of converted one of them. Uh, he, he says he was already having doubts, but um, there's a couple of theology teachers at my school. One of them is very, very open-minded. You can pretty much tell him anything. And he basically had us write a paper on our beliefs, and I didn't hold anything back. I, I wrote it all out, mm-hmm. everything I, I truly believe. And I let him read it, and he, he told me that that really really opened his eyes to it. It's me and him there that really... Your theology teacher or a friend read it? Well, the theology teacher read it just for a completion grade, mm-hmm. and I kept it, and I had my friend read it, and he really responded to it. Wow. Well, you have to put him on to Noah's show. <laughs> <laughs> so where to from here in terms of listening to shows and continuing your journey of education? Well, you know, there's there's all kinds of research. There's all kinds of books that I have on my list to read. Uh... You know, before I, I couldn't care less about science. Now I have this a short list for now, but a list nonetheless of some uh, some science books that I, I want to read, namely by people like, you know, Richard Dawkins and his his books on evolution. Mm-hmm. Just just so I can prove the idiots wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, it, it proves. Well, mm, yes, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> At least give it a go. Has it changed your any other outlooks on life? Has it changed what you want to do with your life? Oh, definitely. My thought processes, my my life is completely different now, exponentially for the better. I know Theus won't. My mom, you know, she didn't believe me, but my life has improved so much. When you're religious and so heavily religious and taught the things you're taught, it's difficult, you know, when you when you pray and, you, and nothing happens and you think, why why am I not good enough, you know? And then there's always there's there's hell. You're scared of hell. You're scared of your family going to hell. Mm. You're scared of people who you care about going to hell. It's nice now to think when I am sitting by myself or if I'm in the bathroom or something that I really am by myself. There's nobody staring at me all the time. <laughs> that 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 is a load on the mind. It must be a relief. I can imagine. It, it I can is. imagine. I haven't even gotten into into all of it, but I, I'm not going to go much further. Mm. I can uh, talk about some of the other things, uh, my other outlooks, if you want. Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. I think a lot of people are so scared of atheism because they're so scared of not having an afterlife. But I think that that's one of the best things that's happened because when you're not counting on this eternal Disney world after you die, you appreciate what you have. You appreciate every single day that you're alive. You think, well, this is what I've got. I, I have to, I have to make it count. You know, I don't mm. want to waste my life. This this doesn't even go for myself. This goes for other people, too. When you're a Christian, at some level, I was always thinking, like, starving children or people in pain. You think, oh, well, well, God's just, just you know, they'll have their reward in heaven. We should help them, but it, it'll be okay in the end. But mm. now I'm like, no, no, this is not okay on any level. We have to, we really have to do something about this because this is the only life they get, too. Mm. It's interesting to hear you say some of these things and being quite young, being 17, you're able to deal with it a lot more quickly than some of the people who are older than you because there are people who I speak with who are rationalizing right. this sort of stuff and there are different stages of the deconversion process and it's taking them a lot longer to do it. As someone who's younger, even though you've spent a good deal of time believing in this, you're able to change your worldviews a lot more quickly. You're a bit more resilient. Right. Well, I, I'm actually really relieved that I, I got around to this as early as I did because I can't imagine, you know, being a, a father or a husband and being in a religious family and realizing it's all a lie. How do you approach your wife about that, you know? Mm. I, I'm just really relieved that <laughs> I caught on now, you know? 
What else should we touch upon before I let you go? Well, I have a I have a story of a a video that we were shown in the theology that I just I couldn't believe that they showed this, and it was at the time a, a huge weight on my mind, and I, I can't imagine what it was like for the the children that were watching it. Yeah, let's hear that. It starts off with these teenagers in, in church. They're going through the reading of the uh, the crucifixion of Christ. In the video, the the audience, or I should say, the congregation, is supposed to yell, "Crucify him!" when when that part of the reading comes in. These two boys are making jokes about it, and they're all like, "Oh, I bet I can say it louder than you," and all this. But when uh, one of them says it, he like he like he's transported like through time, and he's there as as Christ is being condemned. There's these people shouting to crucify him and everything, and he's like, "Guys, guys, you can't do this. He's he's Jesus." And they're like, "You think he's Jesus? What is that?" And you know, and they're like, they're threatening to hurt him too. And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. I don't I don't believe in that." And then towards the end, like comes this you know quote unquote realization that it was him who who was crucifying Jesus and he's even got the hammer and the nail in his hands and he's saying that it was his fault that that Jesus was was crucified mm. when i heard that i was like i can't be held responsible for that if that even happened like that that can't be on me mm. and they were showing this in front of the whole the whole school kindergartners were watching this and i was thinking what kind of weight is that on a on like a an eight year old's mind to think he is responsible for the death of who he's supposed to love the most? You know, mm. that was too much for me. You know, I I thought that that was extremely inappropriate. Are there any secular resources at your school? No, the majority of them don't even know what I believe. Uh, there's a lot of them I I wouldn't even consider telling just because I don't want to make it a, a problem. No, I understand. It's still mostly uh, uh it's on the down low, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long to go till you're out of school? I'm in my senior year, so I just got one last year to, <laughs> to deal with this. <laughs> I understand yeah. that in America there's quite a successful atheist student alliance. Yes, I, I plan on joining something like that as soon as I'm in college. Yeah. I, I can't wait to, to be more involved and be an activist, you know, get the message out so people can feel the relief that I do. Well, relief is an interesting word. It is a relief, actually. It seems odd. I'm sure to many religious people, but I mean, to me, it is. I feel much, much less stressed, much more happy. There's just something about everything making so much more sense, you know? When you're a Christian, you learn all this. At least for me, everything was just like, okay, I, I, I guess that that's true, but it doesn't really make sense. But now when, when I hear it from an atheist side, it's like, here's why we think this, and here's the evidence for it. And I'm just like, that makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> so are you going to pursue a, a future in science? I'm not particularly great at it. It's just something that interests me. Hmm. You know, I'm more interested in uh, atheist activism, uh, vegan activism, things like that. You're right. Very well. Well, Patrick, thank you very much for coming on the show. I wish you all the best with it. If there's anything I can do to thank help you. or put you in touch with people, let me know. I just think it's fantastic that I live in a time where the atheist movement is, is picking up like this. Atheists are changing the world. Atheists will continue to change the world. And I'm I'm completely thrilled and completely honored to be a part of it. Pretty much everyone listening to this will be happy to have you on board. <laughs> it's nice to know that Thank the next you. generation is on the same page. Thank you very much. Take care. And now, a word from our sponsors. Mr. Sorbo, you stated on Access Hollywood. And also, you know, I've seen these guys on TV and cable outlets, these guys that actually have, atheists actually have, like, chapters and they have... I mean, it's weird. I see the anger when these guys get on TV. I'm going, wow, how do you get so angry about something you don't believe in? You further stated that you found this interesting. In that spirit, we'd like to make you an offer. Atheist activist and blogger Greta Christina suggested that you read her book, Why Are You Atheists So Angry? 
We at the Barroom Atheist Podcast offer to purchase you a copy of that book, which we highly recommend, and invite you and Greta Christina to discuss it on our show. Miss Christina immediately accepted. The intent is not to debate, although we're open to that in future. The intent is discussion in order to answer your question, clarify some misconceptions that you may have, and enable you to understand what motivates the angry atheist. It may even assist you in future roles. Should you accept, we will also view your movie, God is Not Dead, and give honest feedback about it from an atheist perspective. The question is, do you really find this interesting? Or was it just a cheap shot at those who don't believe as you do? Bill and Susie, Barroom Atheist. Ladies and gentlemen, down the line with me from South Africa, the very first South African I think we've had on the show, we've got Hans. Hans, how are you? Hi there, Adam. Uh, well, I've been to Australia, but first time on the show here. Your Twitter handle is at O-G-O-D. What's the go with that? Well, there's a bit of mischief in selecting the title, Oh God, but uh, translated, it's an acronym for the Organization for Religion, Education and Democracy. And what we're trying to say with that is, according to our South African constitution and uh, the school curricula, we are very much in support of teaching children the the scientific and the, the actual facts about religion, the, the, what religious people uh, wear, what they eat and why, etc. But not to have religion instruction or religious inculcation happening in schools. Mm. And the democracy part then is refers to giving children the freedom to attend whatever religious activities there may be on their school grounds. So why has all of this come to a head? Why has this been a problem? Just as a background, so the African constitution allows the use of state facilities, which would include state or public schools, to utilize their infrastructure for, among other things, religious uh, activities. But those activities must be free. In other words, children must be able uh, and free to choose to attend or not. In South Africa, that is not happening. Religion is being discussed in class, prayers are being held, various activities in support of specific sectarian views are done during school time where the children don't have the freedom to simply leave if they don't want to be involved. Now, about five years ago, I tried to get this kicked off. Uh, Another well-known South African by the name of George Clarson threatened to take school to court on this matter and there was a big hoo-ha in the press. Unfortunately, at that time, we didn't really have money to press the issue and the thing fizzled out. Uh, In the meantime, I've collected information from parents willing to stand up in court and we have a a senior team of lawyers and advocates quite ready to take this matter to wherever it leads. So the playing field has changed. We now have support from across the country. We also, of course, have a lot of enemies from across the country, but such things are to be expected. Uh, Unfortunately, the press, I I can say the, the, the fight tends to be in the same sort of done in the same way as what is happening in America where they have an all or nothing constitution saying that um, you know no religion can be mentioned really in classrooms so it's a little bit different here but the the fight is probably much the same has any of this been bolstered by what's been happening in say the Australian system 
I don't think so. We we try to, or let's start by saying that our constitution, the, the, the latest constitution that we got uh, after 1994 when we had the change from apartheid to a proper democracy, our constitution is quite free and fair, much akin to the Canadian system. So we don't follow, you know, we don't have the same fights as other people. It's just some people in the country were quite eager to change and adapt and go forward. But there are also those that get stuck in the past and they, they want to defend their positions. So what we're finding in schools, unfortunately, is this sort of a, a religious apartheid, you know, where we choose our religion and you have to fit in or just F off. Uh, if you don't like what we do in our schools, then go and find yourself another public school or homeschool your children if, if you don't like it. So I think the fight is rather different. Obviously, people look at other countries and what's happening there, but the, the fight is not the same fight. So you've taken this to the courts. Yeah, this is the first stages. We've served the people with the documentation. That was done roughly a week ago. There, there are six parties involved, actually eight parties involved. We've summoned uh, six schools as representative, but obviously the test case will be whatever the findings are, that will pertain to all schools in South Africa, all public schools. And we've also taken two, two of our ministers to task, the one on basic education and the one on justice. So these eight parties have been served uh, last week and they then have, according to our laws, uh, 15 days to do a reply. On their reply, we then reply, and then there's a shuffling of documents to and fro, and by the end of it all, there will be a court date allotted. So we don't expect this to happen before maybe February next year. There's quite a bit of uh, paperwork to be done in the meantime. Very well. What sort of support are you getting? I was amazed. Um, we, we're getting support from people who are also religious. We're getting from various communities, ling uh, lingual communities, getting support from people from different religions. And most interestingly, now remember South Africa has, if I remember correctly, about a 75% adherence to Christianity of various sorts. There's a sort of an African flavor of Christianity that's very, very popular. And then the old traditional, more uh, European versions of, of Christianity is probably around 25%. There's a bit of charismatic stuff in there and some other religions uh, to a lesser degree. Muslims, I think it's about 1.5%. Jewish is even less than that. So we have quite a mixture here, of about, but the majority is Christian. So it was fortunate that many of the Christian parents also come to us and say that they don't like the brand of Christianity or the way in which Christianity is being forced on their children. Uh, I had another interview last night where a parent with four children specifically stated again that uh, he is Christian and he raises his children in Christianity but he does not feel that the school is the right place to teach his children Christianity because he has no influence on what version or what particular views about Christianity is being uh, transferred to, to, to his um, children. Now, on that matter as well, we had a minister who died fairly recently by the name of Kader Osmal, who had a policy drafted uh, that has circulated among many churches and church groups and finalized in a national policy on religion that was published in 2003. And that is quite comprehensive and quite fair. And that is part of the basis of our defense of this whole thing where people may use the school grounds for religion but you cannot force a child for example to sit in a class while prayers are being held uh, across the school and they are forced to listen to it. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating that it's the parents of the religious children who are saying well no we'd like to dislike homosexuals in a completely different way for example <laughs> in order to yeah. separate and state their own agenda 
as it were. There's some dissent amongst the ranks there. Yeah, and if I can maybe explain something. Uh, not everybody knows the whole thing about South Africa, but previously, prior to 1994, we had what they call the Christian National Education, which obviously was uh, saturated with religion uh, of a Christian flavor, but it was more a cultural thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it was a good thing, but it was more a cultural, not-in-your-face type religion that everybody just sort of knew was there. So we had uh, maybe once, once or twice a week we had a, a Bible class etc so it was more a cultural thing then after 1994 the traditional church the traditional white church in South Africa was finally forced to admit that their uh, support of apartheid was wrong where previously they said it was supported through the Bible they have to now admit that that was not such a good idea and since then they've lost a lot of ground they used to be the, the main church representing the Afrikaner nation in this country now they are not anymore so fewer than half of Afrikaners still belong to that old church. And the second one is the charismatic one, the evangelical one, where they want to make soldiers for Jesus and they, they teach their, their kids that they must give their hearts to Jesus and Jesus lives in their hearts. And not all Christians, obviously, are quite happy with either of these things. Uh, a Roman Catholic, for example, who is a, a Christian, does not like this Jesus in the heart stuff. So it's quite understandable that many Christians are really uncomfortable with what's happening in the schools. So if anyone's listening, how would they be able to help in South Africa? That is a difficult question. Obviously, support of any kind would be helpful. We have web um, Facebook pages, OGOD. They can follow me on Twitter if they are interested. There will be a need for some funds here, but we've had good support so far. Hans, thank you very much for coming on the show. I love to have you back on again to find out how things are progressing over there in South Africa. And if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. Thank you, Adam. It's been enjoyable. I appreciate the uh, the assistance. And if people could go to our Facebook pages, OGOD, or on our webpage. OGOD.org.za. Hans, thanks for your time. 